Benifer is back. Brad and Jen are friends again. And Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Robin, real one, Slogan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there. Hey, Roger. Hey, yo, Roger, guess what? Hey, Roger, What's that, what? that Logan? Hey, Roger, check this out, bro. Hey, Roger, guess what? So we got a guest on the pod, Rob. You want to know who the guest is, man? Tell them who the guest is, Logan. You tell, tell, tell them who the guest is? Yo, so we got um somebody that's, you know, been, you know, been a legend in the game. We got uh, <laughs> from the Evening Jones era to the Rand University era. He is now about to have a new show on HBO starting in March called Game Theory. We got Bomani Jones in the program. Bomani, how you doing, dog? Dude, I'm good, man. What's going on with you? Man, just chilling. I, I just I would just like to pull the curtain back just a little bit on the pre-pod. Before we came on here, um, before we came on and record, Bomani um, just came just a light flex. I don't know where he is in the world right now, but he came in and he had just a very sprawling view of whatever cityscape he is in. And the and the sun was beaming on him. Beams coming through the clouds. <laughs> coming just through the a clouds. silhouette of a person, right? Because the block, the, the light was blocking out. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it was lightweight angelic. But Monty, yeah. what, what, what's this new life for you right now, dog? What, 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 what got you acting like this, man? You got the, you got the, you got the, the clouds partying and shit when you come in. What, what's, what's life like right now? I was about to say, first of all, you like whatever city. You know what city this was when you saw it, man. That New York, <laughs> that, that New York City, uh, right there behind me. And it wasn't an entirely intentional flex. This is my office, and this is where my desk is set up. And so, you know, I brought the microphone up here and all of that. You know, mm-hmm. so. We here, man. No, life is good. We've been um, 
for Gang Theory, we got the whole staff in right at the start of February. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've been in the office. And, you know, for me, I ain't been going into anybody's office, honestly, interacting with humans in any sort of group setting in two years, more or yeah. less. So we just here working on scripts, working on ideas, working on getting this thing ready. Uh, so when we get this out, that hopefully it'll be something that people can rock with. You've been out in the streets. You've been doing like skits. What's the show gonna look like, man? What, what we got? What, what we gonna? What can we expect? Well, the show's gonna look like a lot, honestly. So if I were to start from like the ground, what are we trying to do? We are trying to take my ideas whatever the idea happens to be, and bring it to life. So if you listen to any of the podcasts that I've done and stuff like that, take whatever your favorite take is that I have off of that. Okay, so now how do we build on that? So we've got an opinion, we got an idea, we got a thought process, whatever it is. How do we build that up? So when I do a podcast or whatever, that's really just me rattling that stuff off the top of my head and then going. Well, now we got a room of writers. So I give them this idea, I can give them an outline, say, yo, I'm thinking this, that, and the third. Okay, so what do we do with that now? So they're not going in there starting from scratch with like, yo, here's something for you to read. It's like, okay, I'm presenting you with these thoughts and these ideas. How do we make them better? How do we beef them up? And so the writers then go with that and we're doing our back and forths on that to get a script tight or whatever it is. Then on top of that, because it is a writer's room and we got comedy writers in, we've got, you know, one of the best columnists in sports journalism in helping us work on this stuff also. What else can we do with it, right? Is there something that we can go out and shoot to make this thing land and to hit the point right, right? Can we come up with like a sketch or something like that or a field idea or whatever it is to make it land? If that's what it is, then cool. Then we're going to go ahead and do that. We're going to do topical stuff so that when we come on um, when we come on during the week, we'll get you wrapped up on what you've been thinking about for the last few days, knock that stuff out. We're going to have interviews. Sometimes we're going to go out and chill with people in their um, natural habitat. Sometimes we're going to have some people come in here. It's going to be a range. Like I'm, the approach on guests and interviews for me is going to be informed by the time I spent doing Highly Questionable, where, yeah, it was a sports show, but if somebody's got something cool to talk about, it doesn't really matter. If they're, you know, their connection to sports can be tenuous at best if they're good, if they got something interesting and fascinating to talk about. So that's what it's really going to be for me. The work that I've done for the last 15, 20 years, if you followed it, we're going to put it together and have a different caliber of resources and not just talk about monetarily, but most of the stuff I've been doing for all this time has been from my brain to you without having a whole lot of people to do something with it on the in-between. Now we got a whole team of people to do something with it on the in-between. Man, hey, listen, I don't know how interesting or good or any of the things that you describe someone needing to be. I don't know how... I am any of those. Having said that, if you need somebody to come up there and just like be a character, like personality and a sketch or some shit like that, hey, you you know where to find me. Logan's oh, got man, the number. Let me let me know you here. We could find some way to you know we to figure that thing out, right? Like hey. like that's like, but that's the thing for me on this is the what's possible is just all over the place, man. Right? Like what it is that we can do, and what I think has been interesting for me to learn is me just being like, yo, so what about this? And I don't like I don't know too much about this business and how things work, at least in this part of television. Right. Like I know how to do like the stuff I've done for ESPN. This is a different animal. Right. Not better, not worse necessarily, but definitely a different one. And it's wild to me that somebody can just come up with something and then they're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. Right. And then a couple calls are made and we're lining this up. We have a meeting with this set of people on the team or whatever it is. And then, boom, next thing you know, something that just started as a what if 
is going to turn into something that you're going to see. Yeah. But when you're doing, and Game Theory comes out next month, so you guys make sure you guys check that out. What I'm really curious about is this is a late night programming, and the way that late night has evolved in a way back when, you know, back in the day, if you go a few decades ago, you see Johnny Carson, you see even now like that, that model with Jimmy Kimmel and all these things, but that model has now evolved. And now you see that with what you're doing with, um, you know, Jesus and Merrill and things like that. What do you think, how do you think that the model of late night has evolved specifically in sports? And what do you plan to build on with that model? Well, I would say that it hasn't evolved in sports because nobody's figured out how to do this in sports. Like, if, if there's anything that I would say is probably the most challenging thing about this is we are trying to make a format work that, as far as I can tell, nobody has been able to make work, right? Now, ours will be different than a lot of those shows that you listed for one major reason, which is there's not going to be a studio audience. And so part of doing a show that has a studio audience for late night, what you wind up with in large part is things that are done to set it up so that the people in the audience will laugh and tell the people at home that they are supposed to laugh, right? So it's a lot of, you know, set up, set up, punchlines, set up, set up, punchlines, like that same shuffle. This isn't going to be that, right? Like, I think part of it is that with with so many more avenues and outlets that people have to choose from and how many people are opting in, because so much of that stuff that people are doing formatically is not for people who opt in, it's for people who flip channels. And you hope that they'll stop and get a couple chuckles and stick around for you. Um, most of this stuff now is for people not who are just scanning and hoping to stop, but you got to be invested. Like you think about the way episodic television works right now. You used to be able to just jump in on anything without knowing what was going on. You could jump in on season four of the Cosby show, right? You didn't necessarily yeah. miss anything. Now you jump in on season four of Game of Thrones. You don't know anything that's happened, you know, to get you to this place. Um, people are going to have to buy in. And so that, I think, is the biggest difference, which then also allows you to take a few more chances because you're not trying to make content for people who kind of like you or for people who don't care about you. You're making content as much as anything else for people to love, not just to like, not just to tolerate, not just to watch because they're not doing anything else. Like, we want to get those, too, and we're thinking about that as we come up with the show. But this is, I want to make a show that people who are into it can love. That's what's up. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit to go to the, you're in New York right now. So I I really wanted to get your opinion on, on, uh, on this subject. Last time we talked, it was February, it was February, 2021, I believe. And it was uh, right before vaccines actually came out. And we were talking about Kyrie Irving. We were talking about um, how he fit within the Brooklyn Nets universe. But now it's a bit different, right? Where he doesn't take the vaccine. And there's this mandate that, uh, that is in New York right now. And it seems like, um, you know, Eric Adams called it unfair, the mayor of New York, and um, Adam Silver is calling it unfair. Where are we at with vaccines in, um, in sports right now? Or specifically, vac- let's, talk, let's go with the NBA. But, uh, where are we at right now with that, where you talk about a Kyrie or, with a mandate in, in place, and now it seems like it's, we, we've kind of gone to the other side of it, whereas, you know, if you're unvaccinated, you know, it, it, there seems like there's a bit of, and I don't know how to, to frame this, but it seems like there's been an evolution in how we see um, vac- athletes see vaccinations now versus one before they came out. What, what have you seen with that? Well, I mean, I don't understand the logic of the New York City vaccine mandate, right? Like, I'm pretty sure that somebody could probably explain it to me in one sentence, but nobody yeah. has. I just don't yeah. know what it is. Like, I do get the idea, though, that if you live and work here, 
that the city has more room to flex on you than they do other people. Now, I think Adam, this is where I think Adam Silver is messing up on that. He's like, oh, it doesn't make sense that Kyrie can't participate, but visiting players can. Well, guess what the solution to that is? Not letting visiting players participate. The solution to that is not to then say, <laughs> okay, Kyrie, we treating you bad. The other guys, you know, can get out here. Um, I think it's going to be interesting and it seems like a long way away, but when the weather gets cold again, when we come back around the next go around, because look, the rates in New York City now are really low. So when Omicron was hitting, those rates were up in the 30s, you know, near the 40s in terms of positivity. Now they're coming in mid to low single digits. Like that, that's that's where we are now. Like this isn't the city isn't like in the in the clutches of it like it was when Omicron was really running or like when this thing first hit a couple of years ago. It's not quite there. And so what I think you're going to see is a lot of relaxation of different mandates and different things that were set up. Now, what happens after you loosen those? Well, okay, that becomes a question, and I don't necessarily know what the answer is going to be. But I think that the summer's going to come around, and people are going to think we got this thing beat in a way that I'm not certain that we will actually um, have it beaten. But I think for the sports leagues, the part that I think people need to talk about a little more and I don't blame the players for not talking about it because they're conditioned to just be tough as hell and not ever show any measure of weakness. But just because you ain't testing positive don't mean you're not still feeling this thing, man. And it's a lot of cats and cats in the league who don't say it out loud about like still fighting through that exhaustion, right? Still fighting through those headaches. Still fighting through all that stuff. And so if I'm the league, I'm still taking the same attitude about this as I ever did because it's not just simply about whether this disease will kill you, but for the NBA... It's an uncomfortable discussion, but the truth is the player's body is all the product. And this 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 can have a real negative effect on the product. Yeah. No, it, it's it's interesting. But from a and also it's funny, me and Roger always talk about this. Um, just from a sheer perspective of being a teammate, it seems like Kyrie has not done that. You know, just for all he needs to do is yeah. that's why Jay, that's why James Harden ain't there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like, this is the level, because I go back and forth on Harden on a lot of this stuff, right? But imagine, say what you want about James Harden. That dude shows up to play games, yeah. and he shows up and plays lots of hard minutes in those games, right? Like, you can't, there's all kinds of criticisms to make of him. But if there's a game to play, he's going to play it unless he's ready to go, and then he's going to come out there and act a donkey, right? But if it's time to play, it's time to play. That dude was walking up the floor playing point guard in the playoffs last year because that hamstring was so bad and he was still out there. And you telling him that this dude can't get a shot, but you're going to let him play half the games? I totally see why he was furious. I totally see why that was the end. I absolutely think that in the end, if this all blows up, and it seems to have, Kevin Durant made a bad play, I think, by deciding that he was going to ride with Kyrie on this rather than riding with the either you all in or you all out program. I'll just I'll say this, right? Like, oh, it's your show, baby. Say whatever. People, <laughs> now, people like to argue with me about Ky Kyrie and his his right and what he stands for and 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 why we shouldn't take the approach that we take, at least the, the one I've taken about Kyrie. And I think they're missing the point. And the point, the point with Kyrie is as a teammate, and Logan, you just kind of said it. It's not about whether he's got the right and all of that. Like we can argue all of that shit. It's as a teammate. Everybody sacrifices to some degree on NBA teams uh, or in collective sports, team sports for the great for the greater good. And that's my beef. And it would have been my beef 
as a teammate, the same way I believe you're saying is kind of what James Harden's ultimate beef was. Like, look, dog, like we've all given something up. We've all put ourselves in harm's way right. in one way or another. And he refused to do that for his brothers or for that organization. And that's where I have the beef. Yeah. And that's where I think, dude, they're bringing Ben Simmons into this. Like, and, <laughs> and, and, and Ben, if we're being honest, the prob- Ben Simmons has two problems in what's going on with him. One, people don't like him, and that contributes to problem number two, which is people don't believe him, right? Whether he's telling the truth or not about what the situation is, I don't want to try to guess. I just know how people get down, and they look at it as, so the timing of this is just far too convenient, and it sounds like you just want it out of here. Now, Simmons is telling us that these are two completely different things, right? It's, I had a mental health struggle, and I also wanted to leave here, which is totally possible, right? But that's a tough sell. Either way it goes, you dropping this dude as he is and as people know about him into that locker room that is already apparently just all over the place. And keep it real, I barely know who's in it right now if Durant's hurt. If Durant's hurt and Kyrie ain't playing at home, they play a game in Brooklyn. And other than the dudes who used to be good, I don't know who play for that team anymore, right? And this is going to be Ben Simmons' path to recovery? Good luck, Jack. I just don't get... I don't know if Brooklyn is an objectively better place for Ben Simmons than Philadelphia was. It's not. I, I, I don't see that considering what could go wrong. The, the, um, the, the Nets were in the Bay Area a few weeks ago. And if you just, and I know Rogers has been around, if you looked at that locker room, it is downtrodden. It is sad. I have never seen a sadder locker room for an alleged contender in my life. It's it's really, really bad. And you put the Kyrie element into that. And then you expect Ben Simmons to just, be all right and just figure this out on the fly. Like I don't, I don't see this working. What do you think, Bo? Who has a better chance of combustion right now? Is it the, uh, is it the Sixers or the, or the Nets at this point? Because James Harden also has his own problems, and there we can go down that road as well. But who do you, who has the, what, what is the worst situation at this moment right now? Oh, it's definitely the Nets. Because the thing about the Sixers is. They just traded James Harden for Seth Curry and Andre Drummond because they weren't playing Simmons. They weren't getting anything out of Simmons, right? Like, they just got that weight off of their shoulders. And to be fair to Harden, I think he demonstrated, if nothing else, in Brooklyn that he was willing to be adaptable, right? Like, this is a dude that had, like, a 40 usage rating, you know, one of those last years in Houston and dialed it back to about 28 and took on this distributor role and let Kyrie operate off the ball and all of that stuff. I think that Harden's going to try to find a way to work around. You know, he ain't the dude on that team. The problem is, and this is the thing that I don't think enough people talk about, is James Harden isn't finished, but it's trending in that direction. And so if you're James Harden and you only shoot 33% from three-point range, like, Roger, you can speak to this. If you spoke shot 33% from three-point range in your career in the late 2000s, you wouldn't still be in the league. Like, that's not, a, that's not enough of a percentage to justify shooting seven threes a game which is what James Harden does. So if Harden isn't hitting a zillion, isn't hitting more threes than he is there and he can't really get by people anymore, though he is getting to the free throw line again, I don't think that he's the answer for Philly, but I don't think they're going to be all mad at each other. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. 
Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Logan, I want to I want to touch on your Brooklyn thing though. Like when you caught them in in fairness to that locker room, James the 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 rift that had that had that had developed between James Harden and the rest of his teammates. Like we had Shams on it. He talked about it. Like it's been written mm-hmm. about. I think you caught a locker room like with with a level of 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 just frustration about themselves that that you know, when you walked in, you interpreted it as just a down team. I think you could, you know, be addition by subtraction, not because James Harden is a bad dude, but just because he was checked out and everyone knew he was checked out. And so therefore they were checked out, right? Like, so yeah. I think you caught a funky locker room at probably the the deepest funk that they had been in. And secondly, I can't speak for Ben Simmons because that, you know, the whole mental health, you know, and, and you know, that card versus... Versus whether now you're, you, you know, you're able to kind of get back out there and play and you feel like you've healed mentally. I'm not going to even touch on that. But just from a skill standpoint, from an on-the-court um, fit, he's going to be better in Brooklyn than he was in Philly. It's a better fit for him than Philly. Now, we could talk about, you know, the mental health, the instability in that locker room, all this shit that's been going on in Brooklyn. But on the court, it's going to be a better fit for him than it was in Philly. Well, you know what else is going to be better for him is... I think Andrew Wiggins was in a similar place. And I can't believe what's happened with him in the last year and a half. It has been mind-blowing because I had totally, like I, I was a holdout and then had totally written him off. But the difference between Andrew Wiggins and Golden State versus in Minnesota is in Minnesota, he was the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons was the number one overall You stop being whatever pick you were when you go to that next team, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're just the dude. And so now he is the number three dude, Kyrie doesn't want to play point guard anymore, even though, don't forget, he wanted to leave Cleveland so he could go to Boston and learn to be a point guard and the maestro and all of that stuff. I ain't forgot about that, homie, right? Like, I remember when that's what you wanted to do. And then he was like, I don't want to be in charge no more. Um, And so, but for Simmons, if he just is running to the rim, catching oops, being, you know, helping to distribute the ball off of that, playing with Kevin Durant, the easiest great player there's probably ever been for anybody to play with, then this can work out for him because we now slide down our expectations. But that first time you scared to take a shot, dog, Philadelphia had your back because they were invested in him. Like the city never turned on him like you would have thought they would have turned on him under those circumstances. I felt like the fans and most of those people were just kind of, come on, Ben, we're going to clap for you. It was a real 21st century kind of affair. You come here doing that for the Nets, they're going to kill you. And not because the city loves the Nets, but because the city doesn't love the Nets. So you're just going to become the new reason to laugh at them. <laughs> and I just think that the lack of stability in that locker room, and I think that goes back to Kyrie. I, I, I'm really scared that this isn't going to work. I think this is going to be, it has the potential to be a disaster, man. How does, how do they find stability right now at this time where you do have Kevin Durant out? And when you do have Kyrie, when you don't know when he's going to play, he, he didn't play last night and he can't, I think he's playing something like eight games for the rest of the season, unless he gets vax. I don't, I, I, I don't see that working for that reason, but I don't know. Well, they found a solution, job. man, playing. Yeah, they found a solution playing the Knicks, but you're right. That is Steve's <laughs> job. Like, like at some point we like Steve Nash and this isn't his fault, but we ain't had to think about him. Because there's been so much of this other stuff that's been going on and surrounding it. But, man, this is what it is to coach an NBA team. When, when, when you're talking about all of this instability, and, yeah, like there's been so much shit going on with Brooklyn. Like that's when your leadership has to be really strong. Like Steve, that front office, his, his coaching staff that he's kind of put together for various reasons. Like that's when they've all got to step up and steady that shit 
and just let everybody know, like, you know, you reinforce what your culture is going to be. You reinforce kind of like, yo, this is the way we're doing things, guys. Like we're, we're weathering this storm. We're not worried. We're not worried about this shit. Yeah. We've had some turmoil. We're rolling into all-star break. We're coming back. We're, we're just what we expected to be at this time. We're just so many games out of where we expected to be at that time, but ain't nothing changed. Like, you know, that's when they, they, they do their job. Yeah. Like that's hey, somebody got to do it. Right. Cause Sean Marks, this on you too. And I give him credit for looking at hard and being like, okay, you can go. Right? Like, all right, time's up on this. Gotcha. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to make this move. Because otherwise, look, this whole Nets experiment is going to be, the whole Nets experiment is going to go down as one of the all-time great colossal disasters if all they get out of this is one year of getting to the second round of the playoffs. You know, the Lakers, good thing they had that 2020 season because otherwise that would be number two, if yeah. not number one. What do you think that says about just the, the environment that we're in, right? With the, there's a player empowerment um, environment that we're in where guys just want to go to other teams and you don't really have that continuity. And then if your shit doesn't help, then it's a colossal failure. How do you feel um, about this movement now that we've had? Uh, we're, we're, how would history see it when, when it's all said and done? Just because you can do something don't mean it is to be done. And I think that that's going to come down to being the fundamental lesson on this. I, I've, I've talked to a few different people about this. And you know me, man. I'm here for the players getting as much power as they can. But you also have to know how to use it. And being a general manager isn't a very easy job. It's not. It's really, really hard. And trying to do it for yourself may not be the best move for you to make. That might not be the way for you to flex your power. Because let me tell you who clearly did not have control of his front office. Michael Jordan, and it is maybe the best thing that ever happened to him because otherwise it had just been a squad of his partners and dudes that went to UNC, right? That wouldn't have necessarily been any good. I've said this about LeBron, and LeBron's tricky because LeBron has made his moves post-Miami for non-basketball reasons, right? Went back to Cleveland because he wanted to be back home and all of that. Went to to the Lakers because he wanted to be in L.A., but he also bet on two organizations that are run by bums, right? These are two <laughs> poorly run organizations. The Lakers, not nearly like the Cavs, but it's still, they have the track record. But when you hear people talk about the Lakers and they're like, oh, it's a family business, that's a nice way of saying they cheap, right? Jerry Buss was out here flying Southwest till the day he died. Like this is, you know, like that's the kind of place he decided to go to. And he has control of that roster. Every indication seems to be he has control of that roster. Somebody else probably should have had control of that roster. And so when we look at LeBron after it's all over with the Michael Jordan comparison, he has now won four championships, right? He'll never get to the six, all that. You know, not being as good as Michael Jordan is not an insult. But if he, the best chance of getting to the six would have been staying in Miami because Pat Riley is the person that would have been most likely to figure out a way to keep this thing rolling. He bet instead on himself as a player and himself on the guys that you maybe could wind up getting in. And so I look at Durant and the decision to go play for the Nets and all of these things. Is that what's best for your career? Is that, depending on what it is that you want, is that what is best? Um, And I think that we're going to look at a few guys and just be like, did you really make the right play for yourself just because you could make this other play that was a flex? Well, I think in this era, you see a lot of guys that, you know, we always bring the AAU thing into it, but I think you see a lot... 
No, we we do, but, but I think that w- as a consequence to that, the, the AAU culture, we always look to see, oh, that the grass is greener over there. It might be a little bit better, right? Like Kevin yeah. is a great example of that of, oh, man, I can go back east. It's, it'll be so much better than Golden State. It'll be so much better. I can, you know, run my own team. I can do all these things. And you're seeing the other side of that now. And you see, that's why James Harden can get traded two or three times in a in a 18-month span. But I, I, is it good for the league ultimately, though, Bo? No. No, it's absolutely not good for the league, right? Like, whether it's good for the players or not, or whether they should have the right to do these things is a completely different discussion. Is it good for the league? No. Like, think about this. There are no, like, team robberies in the NBA right now. For whatever reason. Like, there's no, like, yo, these two teams, I just got to watch them because, you know, they don't like each other, da-da-da, you know, all those things that come with familiarity and continuity and everything else. And the AAU point, I think, needs to be spelled out more because I do think that that's it. That, greatly informs a lot of what we're talking about in that and, and all this just changing high schools every year and stuff oh. like that. These cats ain't got no loyalty to any institution or to any team that they play for because they've never stuck around on a team long enough to have the loyalty to it. They go to college for one year, maybe two or something like that. And so the idea of staying in a place for the longest in what you do, every place you go is a place to get a leg up for the next place that you wind up going. Like Harden is actually an anomaly in this because he stayed in Houston for so long and kept the, like he never went to free agency. He kept signing extensions as soon as they would put him in front of him, you know, to line up that money. And so it would be better for the league if somebody stayed on a team for 17 years, right? It's great for the league that Giannis has decided that he wants to stay with the Bucks. And what you hope for is that like, it would be so good for the NBA if the Bulls really were able to keep this going and had like a great series against the Bucks. You know, they're 90 miles apart or whatever. And they had a slugfest seven-game series. And then that comes back into next year and their teams are basically the same. And you get you get that feeling out mm-hmm. of it. Because right now we get a lot of good basketball, but it ain't a feeling that's associated to it. And so, yeah, I think if they could get themselves to a place where dudes just want to stay somewhere because they want to stay somewhere... Yeah, I mean, it may be corny, but that's what people like, man. That's what people are into. Listen, I always maintain you ain't going to have to worry about it for too long because there's only so much of that shit they're going to take before the next collective bargaining yes. agreement comes up. And 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 all of that is on the table again. So, yes, they, they do what you do now. Have fun because it, they're going to swing that balance of power back somehow. They're going to have to give they the max salary just didn't do what they thought it would do. Right. Like the salaries got so high that it's kind of impossible to money whip them. These dudes are so rich that Ben Simmons said, you can keep $20 million. I ain't playing. (laughs) And he's like 25. And he's like 25. (laughs) He has already stacked up so much bread from playing basketball. That he's like, no, y'all can have it. I don't need it. And that's what messed it up. When those dudes from Miami were like, went to Miami and were like, oh, yeah, we'll take a little bit less money. What's the big deal? It's $15 million. I already got X amount of money. Then the owners were like, damn, what are we supposed to do here? Because we still have it set up where you can pay them more. You just can't, you know, the other guys can still pay a whole lot. And now these guys are just going all over the place. Now, of course, the owners have this option. And this is what I just don't think they played up enough. Make it to where these dudes love it so much that they don't want to leave. Russell Westbrook signed two extensions in Oklahoma City. Two. Like, those are the guys that I feel like we forget about. Milwaukee did what it took to get Giannis to come back. If you're in one of them places that black people don't want to live, because it ain't about market size, it's about do black people want to live here, right? If you're one of them places that black people don't want to live in, you're just going to have to treat them 
extra good. Extra, like how Utah don't have the dopest locker room in the league, I'll never understand. <laughs> how's, how's, how's the Utah I, I, locker room, uh, Roger? How, how's the Utah locker I can't room? Speak, I can't speak for what it looks like now at all. I will just say, Bomani, I was, I was trumpeting that same tune the last time I put on a uniform. Like, hey, guys, we're going to have to do a little better out here. But again, <laughs> full, the, the whole organization has changed. So I, I don't know, Logan, but I'm with Bomani on that. You know who the first person was to get that, though? It was Mark Cuban when he bought the Mavericks. Oh, yeah. Log- Logan, you may not be old enough to remember this, <laughs> but the Mavericks were the worst in every way. They were the worst. I once watched a dude from the Mavericks file out in five minutes. They were the worst. And then Cuban came and was like, first thing we need to do, fix up this locker room, get some real comfortable seats here, make yep. the bench nice. All of this stuff. Like, if you up against it in that way, then that's just what you got to do. You got to make this fly. And it's not like the old days where you had places like San Antonio and Phoenix that were really attractive to, like, older dudes. Mm -hmm. These cats are so good as they get older now, they don't see themselves as older dudes. They're not like, yo, I ought to go down there to Phoenix, get my joints right. No, no, no. No, no, it's funny because I'm in Golden State. They got in the visitors locker room. They got a cold tub, hot tub, massage table, all the stuff. Like you, the the way locker rooms look better than most home locker rooms. And it's just it's yeah. it's interesting because the the I think from the ownership perspective is yo, those are not just away players. Those are potential free agents. Yes. Those are future free agents. Is what those are. So we got to treat them right. And Roger, you think about this. Like I asked you about this because it's been my you know, the handle I've got for talking to guys in the league, and I don't think this comes up enough. Y'all talk about what teams do and do not know how to handle business, right? Yeah, like, like, and sure. that stuff matters. Like, like free agency and football, I know this comes up. Some teams don't, some teams don't book your flight right. Some teams got you stuck on this window seat when you know damn well you told them you wanted the aisle, right? Like it's 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 little stuff like that, but it stacks up. It's details. Like yeah. it it really is. It's details, man. When when you're in a place that's buttoned up, like you talked about cues, that was the first place I had been where I didn't have to ask. That shit was already there. Like, you know, I I didn't have to ask for a vegetarian meal because they knew. I don't know how they knew, but they knew I was vegetarian. So the nutritionist was already there asking me what she could have on the flight for me. Gave me a menu of shit to have. Like, I had never. What? I usually get on and eat a PBJ and a bag of chips. But like, you know, they were detailed. And yeah, that, that people. Yes, people are going to speak on behalf of that. And on the flip side, if your shit is raggedy. It is going to be known around the league that is raggedy. <laughs> so everybody needs to step it up. Like, that's just yeah. the way I look at it. If you want to make it happen, like with Utah, I'll never forget this. Did you ever see this interview after Gordon Hayward uh, decided to go to Boston, right? And it was an interview with whoever the play-by-play man was, and he spit that reel. He was like, look, down here, what we're saying is, if we can't get a white American star to sign a free agent deal, what chance do we have? <laughs> and that's real talk, right? Like the man just had to come out and say it. It's like, yo, now of course, like Gordon Hayward went to the like ancestral homeland of the white NBA player. So like, anyway, they was they was they was up they was up against they was up against something daunting when it came there. But for them, like with Rudy and with uh, like they do a better chance with the guys from overseas because a lot of the stuff all the same to them by and large. But with Rudy and with Donovan, man, you just gonna need to treat them really well for them to be like i just can't imagine going nowhere else and then but they don't want to do that they just want these dudes to feel like we got you so you can't go nowhere that ain't gonna work 
Yeah, the days of the days of you owe us or you owe the club or all oh, that's a wrap. Those days are gone. <laughs> it's an it's an interesting balance because right now the team because you you probably uh, you brought this up, Bo, but the teams that are in the bigger markets that would normally um, always get the free agent meeting. Talk about the Knicks and the Lakers. They're not good organizations in inside. Like they're not good organizations in their building. You know, you take yeah. away LeBron and things like that. So, what is the alternative? Who are the like? Who? What are the new teams that are emerging? Is that I? I don't know. I guess Golden State is one of them. I don't. Miami is, are starting to emerge. Who is going to be the next few teams? You think that are going to be the players that are non traditional in non traditional markets that. Uh, well, well, see, I guess Golden State counts, but see, bringing up Golden State gets to the point where I feel like we have miscategorized this discussion and made it about market size, right? Because it's not ba- necessarily, yeah. The Bay's the fifth largest market. Boston's the top ten market. Philadelphia's the top ten market. Chicago's yeah. a top five market. People don't want to go play necessarily for those teams. People talk about Miami being a big market. Miami's not a big market at all, right? Like it's just it's just Miami. People like it and. They got a well-run organization. Cats be lining up and signing up to go get their body fat tested every week, right? Yeah. To practice <laughs> to practice in a gym that has beautiful uh, views of Biscayne Bay Man. that they that they covered up because Pat Riley don't want nobody going soft, and they <sighs> still go down there and they go do it. And so I think we're going to see like in a couple of years, it's going to be like Milwaukee, for example, right? If they keep this thing going and they do it right, is that going to be a place that people actually like want to go to? Because the truth is, man, the city you play in, you ain't going to be there that much. You know, like, you know, you can go hold it down for a little while and, you know, see how you can make this work. Um, The Clippers became one of those places. Like we forget how terrible they were and nobody would ever want to go there. And then the Clippers got their shit together and worked it out and became that place. Fertitta is messing up what I've always thought was the biggest potential juggernaut, which is Houston. Man. NBA players love Houston. <laughs> love, better or worse. Love. Love. I mean, I, I mean, I'm from Houston. I don't see the worst. Like, I totally get what it is about Houston that they love, but they love, love, love Houston. That should be free agent destination number one for most of them dudes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you'll throw, at the end of the day, I think Memphis, they'll throw in that soon, too. What about Atlanta, Memphis, though? Yeah. No, what about Atlanta, though? Atlanta I've has never a, understood why they haven't never been able to really make that catch. But I'm telling you, man. It's right it's the, there. But this is the thing I think about Atlanta with regard to this discussion. Because the Hawks haven't had a real star since Neek. And Trey Young is like a step in that direction. But it still ain't the same, right? Like, it's not what it was when Dominique was there. If they ever get that guy, like if they had gotten Zion hurt, not hurt or whatever it was, that arena has the chance to become what the forum used to be because there's mm-hmm. so many stars in Atlanta right now. They're shooting so many movies in Atlanta yeah. right now. Like if, if a Zion caliber dude got there, like what the what well, no, Zion could be ja at the best went. of no, Zion. What if Ja went? Right, like, exactly. Another, another guy that would be like a guy you got to see. A guy you yeah. want people to see you see. Yeah. It is no telling what that arena could ultimately turn into if they ever just get that guy and they just haven't gotten that guy. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. 
Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're from uh, born in Houston, raised in Atlanta, right? Other way, that, other way, other way. Other okay. Way. How did how did that Hawks run feel to you last year? Did you did you were you were you were you into it? Because I know your, your Braves won, and I know that that was that was an exciting See, yeah, time. That, how was, your, was, how was, was the Hawks? Yeah, the Braves the Braves brought a lot out of me because that's the first thing I ever loved. I stopped rooting for the Hawks on February 24th, 1993, when somebody woke up with the bright ass idea of it's the best team we've ever had. We should trade Dominique. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just like, okay, clearly you don't care about me. You don't care about you. You don't care about nothing, right? Like, why should I care about people who so clearly do not even care about themselves? Um, it was fun for me to watch, really, honestly, as somebody who lives in New York and was happy for Knicks fans that they had something to be happy about. And I love a good villain, right? Like a good in this arena star. And that's what Trey was in there. And then I look up and the Hawks got some players and it was just kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, good for y'all. And you know what they've been doing ever since then? Being the fucking Hawks. That's what they've done. <laughs> they went right back to just, then the Hawks went back to being the Hawks. The Knicks went right back to being the Knicks. <laughs> oh, it's interesting because like that, that series is really fun because you know I love the um, I love the relationship between New York and Atlanta, right? Because that's where mm -hmm. you know Biggie Biggie tried to get a house down there, and like there's the uh, you know Atlanta, there's no swag in America like Atlanta swag, bro. Like y'all yeah. don't y'all don't give a fuck about shit. So when you guys go out of town, when 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 people from Atlanta go out of town, specifically New York, there's just a big the chest sticks out, and it was but fun it to see But it used to go the other it. way. That's what's yeah. so wild about it, the most insulting thing in New York, because I went to college in Atlanta in 97, mm. and you had to hate the New Yorkers, because they were just so arrogant about it, and just coming down, and all How they was did it was... How was it when uh, New Yorkers went to Clark? How was it when they came down and just went, when they came down and had, brought their Tims and just with their arrogance? What was that like? After they chilled out a bit, it wasn't so bad. I learned to hate them in a week and a half when they first got there. Because, like, I got to school and I grew up in Houston and I was, like, listening to Wu-Tang and all that stuff. It ain't nobody doing that with you in Houston. And so I get there and I'm like, all right, so the cats from New York, they're probably going to be on some of the same stuff that I am. I was a radical Southerner after a week, man. After they called us country and everything else by that point. And, you know, a couple of them had to learn some lessons the hard way from some locals about just how, like, how far that New York cred really went. And the answer was not as far as you think, homie. But that's back when New York was the center of everything, right? Like, I could get why it was that they was acting like that. But I don't think they come down there behaving like that no more. Like, they try, they the ones trying to catch the wave now. Yeah. No, it, it was funny. You could see that in uh, what with the Hawks-Knicks uh, series, that had the potential to become a rivalry. It seemed like that. Two good yeah. teams on the ascension. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know where we are in the NBA. I think we might have gone too. It's hard for me to say with the uh, player empowerment. Thinks we've gone too far because I do miss those. I do miss those types of series where you could, um, where you build familiarity between both teams. But now it seems like we're just trying to, 
rip teams apart to build them back up, and it's so fast now. You don't really get the chance to like these teams. Yeah, well, this is what I think about a lot of these guys. And I don't blame you if after seven years you look up at your team and you say, we ain't never going to win nothing, and you decide to go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. But there is a value to... So let's take the Grizzlies, for example. A guy like Zach Randolph or Mark Gasol or Tony Allen or Mike Conley, if they play for the Lakers, their numbers don't go to the Raptors. You go to the Raptors with the Lakers if you're in the Hall of Fame. Them, Tony Allen, however, they had his picture up in the airport on the Welcome to Memphis sign. There's something to be said for having a city that loves you, right? There's something to be said for having home. Like, think about the way we talked about Zach Randolph before he went to Memphis. And he became a beloved figure because they loved him there. And that's what I think for a lot of these cats, I look at them like Carmelo, for example. Carmelo doesn't belong to anybody. Carmelo doesn't have like a franchise. Like his, I think Denver will eventually retire his number, but the Knicks ain't going to retire his number. He ain't never going to have that place. And I think there's a real value and a financial value down the line, you know, at some point of having that place. And maybe these guys make so much money now that it doesn't even matter anymore, you know? But like, you young people look at Clyde Frazier and they probably wonder why it is that we talk about him like that because he means something in New York and he's always going to mean something in New York to the end. Yeah, there's something. Look, I've always said one of my biggest regrets and and it, it wasn't because I, I necessarily had the choice. I was more of a journeyman, but I would have liked to have been associated with a team as a career, whether that had been in Phoenix for a longer stretch or whether I had stayed in Utah and ran that for six or seven years just because you know, there's there's love. That's a city that 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 owned like like they take they take pride in the fact that you were one of theirs. You know, there's something to be said for that. But I do think you hit a point. Like financially, you know, the 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 the, the even the Carl Malones and people like that would stay in Utah. There were real financial benefits for doing that once they were done playing. But they weren't making what these cats are making. Yeah, wait, wait, they don't, say, like, They weren't making that shit. No, but you're right though. Never forget. Uh, wow. I feel so old when I talk about these things and I look up and realize how long ago they happened. So the Wizards traded Chris Webber to Sacramento for Mitch Richmond. Now, the Kings are sorry now, and the Kings were sorry then about like they sorry now, but then Chris Webber came and everything changed, right? Like it's, it's been going on so long now that I have to remind people that Sacramento used to be good rather than they used to be sorry. So they traded Chris Webber, and he did that year there. And basically what they told Chris Webber was, it's a 30-minute flight to L.A., and they money-whipped them. They, 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 it was when you were still able to go way over the cap to sign your own players. They money-whipped them, and he stayed, and it's the most glorious era that that franchise has ever had. This close to you know winning the West, this close to winning a championship, all of that stuff, because they just paid him too much for him to leave and then told him how to leave intermittently so that he could still play there. They're going to have to go back to giving teams these options. Now, of course, with Sacramento, this wouldn't be a problem because they don't get good players. They would never have a Chris Webber that they could money whip, apparently. I have no idea the last time they had a legitimately good player in Sacramento. (laughs) (laughs) Can you, I mean, you stop and think about it. Like, De'Aaron Fox is the one that we've talked about. But the last good player they've had, honestly, that was good to bring them to the playoffs, Ron Artest. That's what I'm saying. Like, good where you stretch it out. Exactly. It's the last time. 
Uh, before we get you out of here, we want to do, have a little segment we like to call Real One of the Week, where we talk about somebody that won the week, uh, person, entity, and organization. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go with Aaron Donald, Super Bowl champion Aaron Donald, who might, that might be the last we see of him. So just want to give him his flowers, man. Real One of the Week, Aaron Donald, Super Bowl champ. Ra, who's your Real One of the Week? That boy's going to be back. Hey, this one's personal to me, man. I'm giving a shout out to my young buck. It's my nephew, Jordan Durkak. He's up at Spire Institute. I'm going to give a little co-shout out to all 2021 high school graduating athletes that got caught up in that bullshit of everyone getting their year back and the scholarships all being bottlenecked and no one was able to get uh, a scholarship to go away to school. So my young is up at Spire averaging 23, 9, and 6, 6, nice. 5, 200. Um, just going ham on his post-grad year. So shout out real one of the week, Jordan Durkak. I'm going to put my real one of the week. I am not going nearly as theoretical because I forgot I needed to prep this. But <laughs> I am going to go with the guy who somehow is at once the most underrated player in the NBA and the reigning MVP. You see my man Yogesh take that to the lane against Golden State, kiss that double, kick it out, hit that three to walk up out of there. Mm-hmm. What yeah, more yeah. does my man have to do? <laughs> it took a while for me to come around on it too, right? It is a kind of dissonance that's going on over here. I just don't know how much colder Jokic has to be before we just all like, yo, man, this this the real deal right here. Nah, he's cold. I saw I saw hold that up, in hold person. Up, Roger, last you looking night. like you looking like a Jokic holdout? Are you a holdout? No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, just no, check no. it. No, 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 no. Fully on board with Bro. that one. I, I, I'm here to find everybody, man. Yeah. And, you know, he gets the real one just because. Marcus, whichever Morris it was that played too much, he, 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 hey, <laughs> if, if I wasn't a believer in the skill set, I was sold on that one. We're good. <laughs> Man. Dog, I just want every time I watch Jokic, I'm just like, how did you see that? How did you do that? How is and one thing I'll never understand is how did you just become a good defensive player after not being one? Yeah, that I don't know. But the rest of the shit, the, the stuff that you're talking about, how those are gifts. You don't you don't you don't work that. That's a gift. You you see things that other people don't see. And just hitting everything. And he got yeah. it in him. Like, oh, I need to get 40 tonight, you say, huh? OK, yeah. <laughs> guess I'm going to come out here. And that's the difference is the cat that can say, I hear we need 40. Yeah, and also on the low has great comedic timing too. Just, just yes. also very funny dude. Um, thanks again, uh, Bowman. You can catch him on HBO. You can catch him on ESPN on the Right Time podcast. Uh, make sure you check out his. Uh, make sure you check out his show Game Theory, which drops in March. Um, we are here every Monday and Thursday on Real Ones. But in the meantime, make sure you check out our other program. Make sure you check out Upside High with Jonathan Sharks. Make sure you check out The Void. Make sure you check out. Let's keep the propaganda going, Raja. Let's keep it going, man. Let's take out R2C2 with who? Raja Bell. Baleo legend, the Crestside Clown, CC Sabathia. Keep it going. Make sure you check out Black Girl Songbook with who? Raja Bell. It's the homegirl, town legend, Danielle Smith. Yes, sir. Make sure you also check out The Answer. Make sure you check out Group Chat as well. We will see you next week. Holla!